We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back. Sorry, it has been uh, over two weeks now. Um, This is the first recording of December. I have... uh, if you remember from the previous episode, I was very hoarse and raspy. Uh, my, I had a cold that was just kicked my butt and kept me down for a little while. I still had to go to work every day, but it makes it hard to do a podcast when you don't have a voice. Let's just say that. So I hope you guys are following on the, the Twitter account uh, over the past couple of weeks at TNT College Foot One. I, I try and keep that updated as much as I possibly can throughout the day and uh, with all the big news. And there's been a lot (laughs) coaching changes, transfer portal. We just saw the Heisman trophy get announced. Congratulations to Bryce young from Alabama, uh, deserving of the award. Uh, but I'll get into that. Talk about that a little bit. Actually, let's go ahead and we'll lead off with that. Well, I mean, as we all know, Bryce young, from Alabama won the Heisman. He's the first quarterback from Alabama to win the Heisman, which is, I mean, I, I, I guess that's surprising when you hear that just for, because of the names that have played at Alabama. Um, so so that it is a little surprising that's three SEC players in a row winning the Heisman. Uh, eight of the past 15 um, have been from the SEC. I know it's not surprising for that. Um, and it might not change for some time, but, uh, let's just run through the top 10. I agree with the top two personally, uh, with Bryce Young winning and then Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan getting second. I, I agree with that. Um, then Kenny Pickett from Pitt got third. I'm just not on the hype train for Kenny Pickett for some reason, um, Nothing against him, but uh, I just, just, just not. I just don't. <clears throat> I just don't uh, think he's as hyped up as everybody thinks he is. Fourth was C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Fifth was Will Anderson from Bama. I actually would have had Will Anderson at three, and then Kenneth Walker from Michigan State got sixth. I would have had him at fourth as well. So. My top five would have went Bryce Young, Aiden Hutchinson, Will Anderson, Kenneth Walker, and then C.J. Stroud. But uh, Walker sixth, uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss got seventh, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati got eighth, which Desmond Ritter is like the fourth or fifth best player on his own team. <clears throat> then uh, ninth, Jordan Davis from Georgia, and then tenth, Brees Hall from Iowa State. I'm glad Brees Hall made the top ten. He's very deserving. Um, that that young man, what he <laughs> what he did in his college career is nothing short of amazing. But let's let, let's just look into the future. 
obviously Bryce Young's going to be the favorite. I think that's very, I think it's very obvious. Um, then you got to say Caleb Williams from Oklahoma, I would think. I would put Will Anderson from Bama up there. C.J. Stroud's going to be up there, obviously. Um, but the, the guy who I think is going to be up there next year, uh, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, and I know I'm a little, I'm a little biased with this, but Grayson McCall had one of the one of the best seasons in the history of college football from quarterback pers with his uh, QB rating, his uh, completion percentage, and he missed games too. Like let's let's call it what it is. I mean, Coastal Carolina is in Grayson McCall. I, I he. <laughs> He is going to be one of the best players in college football next year. And and if you're trying to debate that, you're just a hater at this point, honestly. Um, I, I, I mean, I think every program in, the, in America would want Grayson McCall. And, and if you don't, you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. But uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> let's, let's uh, go from some other quarterbacks to talking about more quarterbacks with the transfer portal and in the amazing number of QB of big name QBs in the transfer portal. Like let's, I'm just going to run down this list. One of them is gone <laughs> just breaking or just within the past couple hours, which I'll get to that. Yeah. Miles Brandon from LSU. I've seen reports that he has been on Southern Miss campus, which, which I tweeted out when he first left LSU. I'm like, hey, how cool would that be if he went to Southern Miss? I know he's from that neck of the woods, um, so, but it'd be pretty amazing if he ended up there. Um, uh, just I, I've just heard and seen things that he's been on Southern Miss's campus, but we'll see. Then you get. Zach, Zach Calzada from Texas A&M. Somebody's going to get a good quarterback there. Um, Siobhan Cordero from Hawaii. Tommy DeVito from Syracuse, who just committed to Illinois uh, yesterday. Big, big commitment for Illinois there. Um, that's, 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 that's a good get for Illinois. Then you got Quinn Ewers from Ohio State, who committed to Texas yesterday as well. Um, that's another big get. Um, I think he worked the system to get paid for his NLI, uh, or NIL, uh, and then I think he was going to go to Texas the whole time, but, uh, good for him for using the system. Then you got, uh, Dylan Gabriel from UCF. Somebody's going to get a good quarterback there. Lane Hatcher from Arkansas state. Another good one. I mean, he's, he's one that some people might not know as much about, but me watching as much Sunbelt football as I do, Blaine Hatcher can throw the football, folks. Whoever gets him is getting a good quarterback. Max Johnson, also from LSU. Adrian Mar Martinez from uh, Nebraska. It'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, <coughs> that one will be that one will be interesting. Jack Miller from Ohio State. Bo Nix, grad transfer out of Auburn. I'm gonna be uh, that one's really really intriguing to me to see where uh, to see where he ends up just because um, 
somebody's going to get a, a guy who's won games. You got Michael Penix Jr. leaving Indiana. Tayson Pumachu from Clemson. His brother is the quarterback at UConn. Uh, Jake Plummer leaving Purdue. Uh, Taquan Roberson from Penn State. He's the backup, but he played a lot in that Iowa game. He uh, got offered from UConn about 90 minutes after he entered the portal. So that one's interesting. Keaton Slovis leaving USC. Somebody's going to get a good quarterback there. Jordan Yates from Georgia Tech. But uh, the big one coming off the board just within the past couple hours. Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma going to South Carolina. A huge, huge pickup for South Carolina, by the way. Uh, but also taking Austin Stogner, the tight end uh, from Oklahoma, to South Carolina with him. So very, very interested, very interesting there because we've all heard the narrative that that uh, Spencer Rattler's teammates don't like him and all this and that. Well, apparently that's not true because Austin Stogner going to South Carolina with him. That's going to set up some really, really intriguing matchups in the SEC, obviously, um, SEC East. South Carolina had a very, uh, <clears throat> I, I have to say, overachieving season this year. And what uh, Shane Beamer did this year, um, really nothing short of amazing. I mean, he to take, to take that team to a bowl game this year uh, with the quarterback uh, – issues that they had from injuries to sickness to all kinds of different things just pretty amazing so now you got spencer rattler coming in <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see what luke Doty does because luke Doty is a decent quarterback and uh but you, you i mean you have to imagine spencer rattler is going to get the keys to to the to the offense but uh It'd be really, really interesting to see what happens there. But huge, huge pickups for South Carolina there. Um, creates a little bit of an interesting debate um, for for the quarterbacks hierarchy in the state of South Carolina. Number one is very obvious. It's Grayson McCall from Coastal. Very, very obvious that he is the best quarterback in South Carolina and in one of the best in the country. But then the 2-3 matchup between Spencer, Ratcher, Spencer Rattler and DJ Uga Ungale, I think you could go back and forth, really. Um, I think Spencer Rattler is the better talent, um, but DJ Uga Ungale has much better leadership, and he's not a ticking time bomb where Spencer Rattler is, in my opinion. Um, so it would be really interesting to see how that goes. Um but obviously they'll play each other. Clemson, South Carolina uh, play at the end of the year every year. But uh, really intrigued to see how that goes. Be interesting to see how South Carolina fares in the SEC with with a better quarterback. I mean, there's no doubt if Spencer Rattler plays to his ability and doesn't get in his own head that he is one of the better quarterbacks in college football. So if South Carolina gets that guy, um, South Carolina, I think, becomes a contender in uh, in the SEC East. I mean, Georgia is going to be the favorite 
as long as Kirby Smart's there and as long as they continue to get the recruiting classes that they're getting. But there is no reason South Carolina can't contend and be right there. So uh, if they get the good Spencer Rattler, watch out for that. Um, very, very intrigued to see how that goes. <clears throat> then just today, um, Fox College Football released uh, the most valuable programs in college football. I, I don't think it's surprising who number one is. Um, the University of Texas um, and Texas A&M actually tied for one at $147 million. Um, we all know football is king in Texas, and uh, I, I I actually thought with the Longhorn Network that Texas would be more profitable than anybody else, but uh, nonetheless, they tie with A&M. Let's get that rivalry back, by the way. Just a side note there. Um, the next team up, technically in third, is... University of Michigan, $139 million. I don't think that surprises anybody with the brand that Michigan is. Then fourth was Alabama at $134 million. Not, I mean, I don't think any of these are surprising by any means. Uh, fifth, Ohio State, $132 million. Sixth, Oklahoma, $129 million. I'm kind of surprised that Oklahoma is ahead of Georgia, Notre Dame, and Florida and LSU. But, again, Georgia 7th at 125, Notre Dame 8 at 120, Florida 9th at 117, Auburn also 117, um, LSU 114 million, Tennessee 113 million, um, then a little bit of a drop off to Penn State 104 million, then you go under 100 million, 14, Oregon at 96, Florida State also at 96, then you get South Carolina at 16th at 95 million, as is Arkansas. Those those two surprise me. And then you get USC at 18th at 93 million. I think that's about to uh, jump a lot with Lincoln Riley. Then you got Washington 92 million, Nebraska 91 million, Iowa 89 million, Michigan State 87, um, Wisconsin 86 million, Ole Miss 84 million, and then Clemson rounds out the. The top 25 most valuable programs at $77 million. So just something interesting there. Um, Texas, Texas A&M, Michigan. I mean, the, the teams that you expect to be there are, are worth a lot of money. But, uh, not, again, not surprising at all. Um, one thing I've thought about... Um, uh, to kind of shift gears here, uh, the transfer portal and how it's affecting uh, junior college recruiting. I, 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 I would love to see a statistic about this, and, and I'm sure there's something out there that we could find. But, but I have to imagine that the transfer portal is really, really hurting JUCO recruiting um, just because JUCO recruiting used to be – where you could kind of get a quick quick fix <clears throat> and bring in some guys who have played played games, been there, done that. Um, but now the transfer portal is just free agency, um, really. So that that that's the interesting thing. There is, I mean, that 
like I said, I would love to see a statistic about JUCO recruiting in the transfer portal and if it's how much it's hindering or affecting JUCO recruiting. But uh, but like I said, the transfer portal has really turned into free agency. And now a team like South Carolina today goes and gets Spencer Rattler at quarterback and Austin Stogner at tight end and drastically changes their program for the 2022 season. Drastically changes the the uh, trajectory. I mean, the, the program was already on the way up um, after overachieving this year and making a bowl game. But but now to uh, to add a NFL quarterback and tight end, since I'm talking about both of them, um, to the mix just just changes everything for that program. And other programs will do it. I mean, I talked about the quarterbacks that are available in the portal. I mean, whoever gets Bo Nix is gonna is getting a real quarterback. I mean, you're getting a guy who's been there and done that and won big games. And and there's a handful of other guys in the portal that uh that will do the same thing. For these program for other programs, but the fact that you can go get these type of guys, and it's not just quarterbacks; it's every position. <clears throat> it, it's a it's a big deal, and uh, it's it changes everything. And I don't want to say if it changes things for the good or the bad. Um, I understand why the whole system exists. Um, I do think that people need to be held more accountable to their commitment and uh, need to fight through adversity and uh, not just run if you don't win a job. Um, but at the same time, like I also know that like, hey, you don't always get the right fit or like head coaches leave all the time and I'll get to that whole thing in a minute um, with all the coaching changes. But uh, I feel like if coaches leave, players should be allowed to leave. I, I don't – you're not going to get an argument from me there. But uh, I don't – I'm not a fan of everybody just leaving willy-nilly the way that it's turned into. But nonetheless, I, I, I don't th – there's no way to, to go back on this. Um, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So, uh, like I said, it's 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 like it's not going anywhere. Um, big uh, shifting gears again. Big day on Wednesday. Uh, the early signing period. It's uh, National Signing Day. Um, a lot of programs are going to get better that way too. Um, one in particular that's going to get drastically better is uh, the Yukon Huskies. Jim Mora and that coaching staff have hit the trail so hard. And I'm super, super excited about this. Um, those who who know, who listen to the podcast regularly, uh, I'm partnered with uh, Sidelines Yukon and uh, always talk about the Huskies every episode, but also give uh, insight for, for that account uh, weekly during the football season. But... Uh, huge 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 past couple weekends for the Yukon Huskies where they've 
where they've added some really, really talented guys. Um, just really, really excited about the future there and uh, what uh, what Jim Moore is doing there is nothing short of spectacular already. Um, out recruiting P5s for a lot of the guys that they're getting. Uh, I saw today they got a, an old Dominion transfer receiver. They got they got a six seven offensive lineman, um, which is something they need, by the way. But uh, JUCO transfer tight end today. Like this, this is just today. I mean, they they they've gotten some really really talented guys, and they already have a good quarterback coming back. Good running back coming back. They got a stable of receivers, a good tight end. They got a good kicker coming back. So I mean, they're <clears throat> and and I've been uh, pleasantly surprised with the uh, skill position players that they've been recruiting and get and getting to commit early to go along with that great group that they have coming back. Um, a Husky fan should be really really excited about what's going on and. Uh, Jim Jim Mora is going to turn that program around sooner rather than later. And I'm excited to go to a couple Husky games next season. Probably, I won't be going to Connecticut probably. But uh, they play at the University of Michigan. They play at Ball State. They open up the season uh, August 27th at Utah State, who just won the, uh, the, the Mountain West. So... Husky fans should be really, really excited about the future of the program and how quickly it could change. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to be like six and six or something, but if they went three or four games. I mean, that's a drastic, drastic, drastic change and uh, something that should be really applauded. And I think that's very doable. Um, and I think I, I think it will happen. I think they'll win at least four games, and I think that's a big, big deal when you look at where the program was and uh, what it's going to be is uh, pretty amazing. <clears throat> but let's look at just the amazing coaching carousel, and I know I've talked about this at length, but there's been a lot of things that have happened since the last episode I recorded on uh, – November 29th, um, the 2021 coaching carousel just, just Temple is the only job that's open right now. Um, but who's to say, who's to say that won't change with, with the craziness that's ensued? I mean, UConn, we know Randy Etzel out, Jim Moore in USC, Clay Helton out and the, the, shocker of Lincoln Riley taking over that program that <clears throat> I, I think that's a home run of all home runs right there um, I've, I've talked about that a little bit Georgia Southern uh, Chad Lunsford out Clay Helton in Georgia Southern faithful just be realistic with what you expect um you're not just going to come out and win the Sun Belt. You're the most talent deficient team in the Sun Belt. Give Clay Helton and his staff time. And I feel like if you give him time, if you give him and that staff time, you will be just fine. But 
if you don't then you're just going to be in the same place that you are that you were going into this off season again so be patient and realistic LSU Ed Ogeron out obviously then Brian Kelly in that one another shocker um that that one's either going to go really good or really bad <laughs> there's there I don't know if there's really going to be an in-between uh he's either going to win national titles or they're going to fall flat on their face and I I, I think it's kind of funny just this <laughs> that people can see uh, Brian Kelly is kind of a tool just the, just the way that he's acted in some of these circumstances with some I mean everybody's seen the videos on social media him with this this silly accent and then taking pictures and videos and different things and I mean it, it, it it's just gonna be <laughs> like I said it's either gonna go really good or really bad Washington State loses Nick Rolovic. Um, we won't get into that situation. But they they did do well hiring Jake Dickert. Um, he did a great job in his interim role. Texas Tech got rid of Matt Wells. Brought in Joey McGuire pretty quickly. Um, makes sense uh, proximity-wise in the area. TCU loses uh, Gary Patterson. Uh, step down. Sonny Dykes makes the the short move from SMU uh, makes sense um, good hire there Akron let go of Tom Arth I didn't I didn't agree with that but they got a home run hire in Joel Moorhead um, shocked that they were able to pull him in but uh, good for him he he got a raw deal at Mississippi State I feel UMass let go of Walt Bell it was time then they brought in Don Brown who is going to do very well I think Washington let go of Jimmy Lake brought in Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State um, he's a winner he's been there and done that FIU let go of Butch Davis but then hired Mike McIntyre um, kind of surprising uh, but he's had plenty of su success um, coaching so I mean you hired a guy who at least has a good track record the issue for FIU is just going to be do they have the support I mean if Butch Davis couldn't, I mean, Butch Davis has won everywhere he's been. So that tells you uh, some of the craziness going on there at FIU. Uh, hopefully McIntyre gets the support that he deserves there. <clears throat> Virginia Tech hired Brent Pry, a defensive coordinator from Penn State. I mean, it, it, it makes sense for what who Virginia Tech is. Virginia Tech need to go back towards roots of defense and gritty toughness so I mean that makes sense but you hired a guy who doesn't have the head coaching experience so that's kind of kind of surprising based off of some of the people that they could have got um, that one will be interesting to see how that works out I mean I, I think Brent Pry is a great defensive mind and he's deserving of, the, of a job like that but uh, it would just be interesting to see how that turns out Florida home run higher in Billy Napier. Um, LSU is going to regret that. That's what I'll say. Louisiana then then uh, promoted uh, Michael Desamois, who that just perfect for Louisiana. Uh, New Mexico State 
hired Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill is a really, really good football coach. But New Mexico State's a very difficult job. Um, but if anybody can do it, it's Jerry Kill. I mean, he's a great coach. Troy hired John Sumrall. Again, that's one of those where wait and see how that turns out. But uh, obviously in a good part, good area there in the Sun Belt to have success. Louisiana Tech let go of Skip Holtz and then hired Sonny Cumbie, who very deserving, I feel, um, with what he did at Texas Tech. Um, great offensive mind. SMU lost Sonny Dykes, but then brought in Rhett Lashley, who has had amazing success as an offensive coordinator. Um, really good hire, I feel. Oklahoma <clears throat> went with Brent Venables. Um, now, we knew Brent Venables. I mean, obviously, he's had to have all kinds of offers, you have to imagine. But uh, Oklahoma makes sense with the success that he's had at Oklahoma as the D.C. Uh, years ago. But um, but it, it, the only thing I question is he is a little older. But nonetheless, I mean, it's, it's a guy who's been there and done that and won at every level. So you have to. I have to imagine that there's going to be success. Uh, Temple, the only current vacancy, um, Rod Carey out. Um, be interesting to see what direction they go um, because they have had success recently with uh, like Matt Rule, Manny Diaz. So I mean, there's there's a it's an interesting uh, interesting scenario to see how that how that unfolds. Duke hired Mike Elko. Um, I mean, I know they wanted Tony Elliott really bad, but Tony Elliott decided to go in a different direction, which I'll get to. Um, but Elko's in for a uh, – uh, it's going to take a while to fix that. Um, but best of luck to him. Fresno State hired Jed Tedford. Glad to see him back in the college world, college coaching world. He's always been a very good coach. Um, I, I, I personally like that hire. Then they got Jay, Jay Kaner back. So I'm really excited to see how good Fresno State can be still. Notre Dame might have had the best coaching hire in Marcus Freeman. I know he doesn't have head coaching experience, but Marcus Freeman is a star of stars. Um, a superstar in the making and players are going to want to play for him and players are going to want to play for him way more than they want to play for Brian Kelly. Let's just say that. Um, Marcus Freeman is a grand slam hire. And I know Notre Dame was hesitant because of his age and lack of experience, but you got a guy who, who the players are going to love and recruits are going to love. And this is a guy that's, going to win and win often his first game is against ohio state so he's going to get fed to the wolves right away colorado state getting jay norvell um that that move kind of surprises me a little bit i know colorado state has money compared to nevada but i feel like nevada what jay norvell did at nevada um he i just feel like you can win more games i mean 
but the money talks. So, I mean, if he can do it at Nevada, I would imagine he can do it at Colorado State. But to leave for another job in your conference uh, is bizarre. I think that's the bizarre, one of the more bizarre hires of the offseason. And then uh, Virginia, you always have a job that opens up that you don't expect to open up. And Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall stepping down to, to uh, just be a normal guy, really. Um, it, which, me personally, I understand because I'm kind of doing the same thing myself. Um, but Tony Elliott, the Clemson OC, decided to take that job over Duke. Um, so Clemson's starting over. New OC, new DC, and a new AD. So Dabo is on the hot seat. We'll see how that goes. And then Nevada um, went with Ken Wilson. Um, then an exodus to the transfer portal from Nevada. So Nevada's kind of starting over. Oregon goes with Dan Lanning which, uh, from Georgia, which <coughs> at the beginning seemed really bizarre. But I think what it's going to turn into is if they hire the right offensive coordinator, I think that's going to be a home run hire. But it leads to the last coaching change at Miami. Manny Diaz for Mario Cristobal. And, and I mean, I understand why Mario Cristobal leaves Oregon for Miami. He's from Miami, wants to be close to his family. I, I, I thought I heard that he has an ailing mother so he can be close to her. He he coached in Miami, played at Miami. He's from Miami. I mean, I get it. And you'd much rather live in Miami than Eugene, Oregon. I mean, I, I get all of that. <clears throat> but the way that the whole situation was handled um, irks me to no end because this whole process took place while Manny Diaz was still the head coach. And, I, and Manny Diaz um, handled the whole thing very graciously, did a great job handling it, and I'm glad he got the defensive coordinator job at Penn State. He's going to do fantastic there. Him and uh, James Franklin together will be great. But the way that that whole thing transpired, it, it, I, I, I just can't stand it because I kind of dealt with this with my um, – last coaching experience at the college level for for basketball college basketball i was the intern i was strung along turned some jobs down um because i was trying to be loyal end up not even getting i bring in 20 some odd recruits and i then i don't even end up getting the job then they just give it to somebody else and then i'm left out to dry through a whole process that took three or four months and they drug the whole thing out and, and it, in hindsight is the best thing that ever happened to me because now I can be a dad and now I have this podcast if I was still a head college basketball coach I would not have this podcast that is for sure but I just relate the two scenarios because I've, I've kind of been there and you, you work your butt off as a head coach to to do everything from from recruiting to um, your program's image to 
to everything, everything that goes into it. And to just get completely slapped in the face the way Manny Diaz did is uh, something I relate to in that scenario. Um, Obviously, mine was nowhere near as public, but... uh, And, like, I applaud Manny Diaz for how he handled it. Um, Just being gracious, but also calling it like it was. I mean, um, the... I'm not reading his quote word for word, but I know he was, but I know he said something on the order of it, it, it's a major disservice to not only Manny Diaz, but his family, the other coaches on the staff, the players that are on the team and in the program. It, it, it's just, <clears throat> it's not a good look by anybody. Now, if you didn't want Manny Diaz to be the coach, then just let him go. Don't, don't go out there and make Mario Cristobal an offer and tell him, oh, you have till this day. If you say no, then we're going to just keep Manny Diaz. Like that's, that's, that's such a bad way to work and a bad way to do things. And, uh, very shameful for the university of Miami. Um, in that regard, um, just, I mean, it's not surprising. It's the University of Miami. I mean, I think we all agree that that university has done many, many things wrong and ha- doesn't care about their image. And uh, but nonetheless, just a complete, just a complete disaster of how they handled the entire situation. Just, just a disaster. And again, I feel for Manny Diaz. It's a slap in the face. I've been there. Um, it's not fun, but he handled it well. <clears throat> so I'm going to end this show uh, breaking down. <coughs> sorry, breaking down the <clears throat> handful of bowl games that will be played until the, my next recording um, next Monday night. So I'm going to go through. Friday slate, Saturday slate, and then next Monday there is one game. Um, The first bowl game of the year, the Bahamas Bowl, Middle Tennessee against Toledo. Toledo is probably going to be a huge favorite in that game, as they should be. Um, I saw Middle Tennessee play twice this year against Charlotte and against UConn. Middle Tennessee has an offense, but uh, Toledo does as well. Toledo's quarterback only threw one interception on the year, um, Finn. Um, But the running back is the guy who makes Toledo go, uh, Bryant Kobach. 15 touchdowns on the year and averaging nearly seven yards a carry. So it'll be really, really interesting to see if Middle Tennessee can handle that high-powered offense that Toledo has. Um I'm going to roll with Toledo in that game. Then the next game, Friday, I'm going to not talk about that one as much right now. It's Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina. My Thursday episode, I'm going to be joined once again by my good friend Chance Bloomhurst, who is an NIU grad, and we are going to kind of break down that game. Um, I am a fan of NIU. I am. I cheer for NIU besides everybody against everybody but Michigan or Coastal 
And of course, they're going to play Coastal. <clears throat> this would have been a great game for me to go to. Um, if I would have been able to plan it out a little better, I would have been able to. And thank you so much to all the Coastal listeners who I have and faithful through Twitter that have just been amazing to me. Um, I, I look. F- I, <clears throat> I wish I could join you Friday evening, but it's just not in the cards. I uh, We have a family Christmas Saturday. So it's not going to be able to happen, but uh, I look forward to joining all of you for the spring game in uh, in April. I will be there in Conway. But uh, again, I will break down that uh, with my good friend Chance Bloomhurst on Thursday. Um, we'll go very in depth on that one. Then Saturday, the Boca Raton Bowl, uh, Western Kentucky against App State. I'm really, really looking forward to that game. That game's going to be fun because you got Western Kentucky's high-powered offense uh, with Bailey Zapp at quarterback. Some really, really good receivers at Western Kentucky. Um, and Jared Stearns. And <clears throat> Zapp, Zapp could break Joe Burrow's record for not only passing yards but touchdowns in this game. But uh, App State's going to have a lot to say about that. Um App State will try to control the game running the ball, but the App State defense is also very, very talented as well. <clears throat> so that game's going to be really, really fun, I feel. Um, just, I think App's going to pull it out. I do. I just feel like, I feel like App is, uh, they got something to prove, and it'll be fun. That game will be fun. I'm really looking forward to that game. Then the New Mexico Bowl, you got UTEP against Fresno State. Um, <clears throat> the Miners had a great year, um, overachieved drastically. Um, their receiver, um, Jacob Cohing, he's only a sophomore, but that young man is a fantastic football player. Averaged basically 20 yards per catch. Um, he's a huge big play threat, really, really good football player. But Fresno State has so much firepower on offense from Jake Hayner at quarterback, um, his receiver, Jalen Cropper, is a, is a big play threat. But then running back, Ronnie Rivers is the all-time leading uh, touchdown man in the history of Fresno State. Just, just some really, really talented players on that football team. The Independence Bowl, UAB against BYU. I feel like BYU is going to be a pretty – Big favorite going into that game with uh, Taylor Algier at running back. Um, then at quarterback, you got Jaron Hall, who's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in college football next year when he comes back. So I think BYU could kind of run away with that game. Then you got the Lending Tree Bowl, Eastern Michigan against Liberty. I saw Eastern Michigan play twice this year. It's a good offense, good to score. They can move the football pretty well but Liberty has Malik Willis um, and you, you gotta roll with them then the uh, LA Bowl the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl Utah State against Oregon State two teams that drastically overachieved this year um, <clears throat> Oregon State might have the best offensive line in college football but then Utah State quarterback Logan Bonner uh, had a fantastic year 36 touchdown passes. Uh, he's got a fantastic wide receiver in Devin Tompkins who's going to 
play on Sundays. Um, that, I'm really intrigued to see that game. That, I feel like that game could go either way. Then uh, the New Orleans Bowl capping off uh, Saturday night. Louisiana against Marshall. Louisiana, 12-game winning streak. Um, Marshall's a good football team. They're going to give them everything they can handle. Uh, Marshall's running back, Rasheen Ali, a freshman, had 20 touchdowns this season. Just a fantastic season by him. But I got to roll with Louisiana and Levi Lewis um, to cap a great season. Then the final game on the slate, um, Monday, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Old Dominion against Tulsa. Old Dominion snuck in, um, finished the year really, really strong to uh, make a bowl game. Um, but Tulsa, <coughs> Tulsa uh, coming in. Um, started the year bad with a bad FCS loss to UC Davis, but uh, I'm going to roll with Tulsa, but optimistic about Old Dominion as they are about to join the Sun Belt. Um, so those are, that's the slate of bowl games heading into uh, my next recording next Monday. And like I said, the Cure Bowl is going to be Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina, but I'm going to focus on that in uh Thursday's episode when I'm joined by my good friend Chance Bloomhurst. Um, you guys can look forward to that. Um, again, th guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, really, really appreciate uh, everybody sticking with me. Sorry it's been so long since I've been able to record, but <clears throat> just been under the weather. Uh, it's that time of year, uh, just uh, with the change of seasons and change in temperature and all that. But uh, again, you can follow me personally. Uh, at coach underscore be will or uh, please follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT college foot one uh, put stuff out daily um, again guys thank you so much for listening have a good night God bless <laughs>